0: God is good. You ready for God's word this morning? You ready? I want you to remain standing. Turn with me to the book of Psalm, chapter number 52. Psalm 52. You can follow along in the app. You can see the scriptures on the screen. Or go old school and get your Bible out, the leather bound. We're doing a series called Psalms of the night. We've been looking at, and we'll continue to look over the next several weeks, the writings of David. We started with chapter 51. We'll go through chapters 64. It's in our daily reading plan. And these are dark times for David. Times of questioning, times of struggle reflective on what is seemingly lost or may never be. And yet out of those dark times came, came some incredible songs that we're still singing today. Oftentimes songs that reach the top of the billboards in all genres are, if you think about the lyrics are sad songs. Well, David wrote some sad things because that's a lot of life, isn't it? Amen. Disappointment, hardship. Out of his pain came poems that pointed people back to Yahweh. Chapter 52, the very heading, before we get into verse number one, I want you to notice what it says. For the choir director, a Psalm of David, Regarding the time, Doag the Edomite said to Saul, David has gone to see Ahimelech. What is that about? A little background on who this is. Doag is the chief herdsman for King Saul. His name literally means acts with uneasiness. If you go back to 1 Samuel chapter number 20, you will find the start of this story As David and Jonathan are having intense dialogue, they're a very close-knit, committed friendship. David is convinced that Jonathan, his dad, who is King Saul, is trying to kill him. Jonathan said, no, no, he wouldn't do that. He's crazy, but he wouldn't do that. Well, after a couple of days, Jonathan realized, yes, my dad is trying to kill David. And so they develop a plan, and David is going to leave and flee for his life. And so he begins to run in chapter number 21 and he goes by Nob, which there the priest, Ahimelech is there. And in that location, the Ark of the Covenant is there in the Ark of the Covenant is the word of God, the manna and an olive branch. Then, when he arrives there, he asks for the priest for any food that he may have. And he says, well, I have is the holy bread that has just been prepared. It's fresh. You can take this if you're hungry. So he gives him the holy bread. And then David says, is there any weapon? Do you have a sword? Anything here that I could take? Um, and he says, well, we have Goliath's sword. And you actually are the one that killed Goliath. And you can take this sword if you need to have the sword. And David said, oh, we'll take that sword. It's a precious thing. It's a beautiful thing. And he takes that and he leaves, but in the shadows is Doag the Edomite. And he's listening to what's going on. And in chapter number 22, Saul is ranting and raving about David getting away and says, Where is this guy? And then Doag speaks up and says, Well, I saw David and he met with Ahimelech. And Ahimelech gave him some food for the journey, gave him Goliath's sword. And also consulted the Lord on his behalf. Oh, this ticks King Saul off. He goes off on a rage and he calls in for all of the priests to come. So all the priests are come, Ahimelech and also 84 others. So 85 total priests are there. And then Saul unloads on them about David. Why are you protecting him? Why are you doing this? They have no clue what's going on. And then King Saul says, I want you to kill them, talks about his soldiers. His soldier says, no, we're not touching the Lord's anointed. We're not going to do that. And then he looks at Doag and says, you do it then. And then Doag goes and kills all 85 of these innocent men in their priestly garments. And then Saul sends Doag to Nob to kill all of their wives all of their children, even their babies, and all of their livestock. Come on, evil is real. Evil's not something just even today. It's back then, it's always been, always will be, because there's a real devil going about like a roaring lion looking for somebody to destroy. And If he can find the right people to use, he will utilize those people for his evil objectives and purposes. And then out of that, in chapter 22, one priest, the son of Ahimelech, makes it out gets to where David is in his hiding place and tells him what happened. And then this psalm came out of that. This verse one. Why do you boast about your crimes, great warrior? Don't you realize God's justice continues forever? All day long, you plot destruction. Your tongue cuts like a sharp razor. You're an expert at telling lies. You love evil more than good and lies more than truth. And then there's a word interlude. Some, some translations will say selah. No one knows exactly what the intention there, but we do think that it's for to give space. Maybe the song, the words have stopped and the song is continuing to play. The music is playing and then they will enter back in. But there is a pause in action. Verse four, you love to destroy others with your words, you liar, but God will strike you down once and for all. He will pull you from your home and uproot you from the land of the living. Again, there's a pause. The righteous will see it and be amazed. They will laugh and say, look what happens to the mighty warriors who do not trust in God. They trust in their wealth instead and grow more and more bold in their wickedness. But I am like an olive tree, thriving in the house of God. I will always trust in God's unfailing love. I will praise you forever, O God, for what you have done. I will trust in your good name in the presence of your faithful people. Oh, someone say amen the reading of God's word. Amen. Amen. Be it God, be it today. May we be thriving trees in Jesus name. Amen. You may be seated. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Shannon, and I've always enjoyed trees. We, um, uh, like trees. In fact, our first home that we had, had beautiful tree in front, a couple of beautiful trees in back. We love that. Um, our last home that we had was just tons and tons of trees. Even in the fall, when the leaves begin to fall and it becomes a mess and you got all the lint branches falling too, and you've got to clean all that, I, there was something, I found a piece, I, I, I really enjoyed even that process of cleaning up after trees. When we were looking to build a few years back, we were looking for a lot that had many trees. We finally found that lot and we bought it and built on that lot we love. So over the years, because we did a lot of work at the land, we've saw a few trees die. And that's a grieving process, actually, for me to be able to see a tree that has maybe 30, 40, 50, 60 years of age that has died. And it's going to take that long to replace it. When the ice storm happened in the winter of 2021, oh, that was grieving. Laying on my bed at night hearing the snapping and the popping and all that was going on, like, oh, my goodness. We lost a few trees completely. But most all of them were maimed and hurt and set back hard, hard. A gentleman in our church who lost a wife this past year, beautiful lady, and Shannon did her funeral, and a friend of ours that looked this past week and said, hey, I've got some trees. Would you like to have some trees? I, I'm, I don't have anything. They were potted. My wife had them. I, I really want them to go somewhere that we, you know, I, I find a good home. I said, I'll, I'll take them. And a couple of crepe myrtles I planted yesterday. A pine I planted yesterday, nothing like getting your hands dirty and muddy and planting and fresh soil, and then also planted a Japanese, um, maple. And, um, and we, we got those in the ground. And I was thinking about that in regards to today in this message that I just, or this passage I just read, you know, say God compares his righteous, his followers to trees throughout the Bible. Do you realize that? Throughout the scriptures, he is constantly referring to the righteous or the followers of him as trees. Let me just give you a few of those so that you can grasp, understand what I'm talking about. Psalms 1 says, oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditate on it day and night. They are set with me like trees. Planted along the river bank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither. They prosper in all they do. Does anyone want to be a thriving tree? Psalms 92 says it this way. But the godly will flourish like palm trees and grow strong like the cedars of Lebanon. For they are transplanted in the Lord's house. They flourish in the courts of our God even in old age, they will still produce fruit. They will remain vital and green. Oh, somebody shout and say, I want to be a tree. One of God's trees. Jeremiah 17 says it this way, but blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are set with me like trees, planted along the river bank with roots that reach deep into the water, such that with me, trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. Somebody say amen to that. I want to be that. I hope you do too. And in Psalms 52 that we just read, it talks about two individuals, Doag and David. Doag represents the unrighteous and David the righteous. And Doag is compared to an uprooted tree. In fact, it's not just here throughout the scripture. Oftentimes the unrighteous, the wicked, those who are not following after Jesus are compared to the uprooted. Verse number five, it says, but God will strike you down once and for all. He will pull you from your home and sit with me, uproot you from the land of the living. Amen. So what does an uprooted individual look like in practicality? You get glimpses of that through the life of Doag in this passage here, and then also in 1 Samuel. One of those is that he boasts in the flesh. He boasts in the flesh. Anytime we boast in the flesh, we are... You you know what boasting is? Boasting is a sign of insecurity or it's a sign of ignorance. And the Bible says that we should boast in nothing, not in our titles, not in our power, not in our money, not in our successes, not in our degrees. The only thing that we have a right to boast in is in Jesus Christ and him crucified. Somebody. Also, he's blind to the coming judgment. Where there is no vision, the people perish. And people that are righteous see an end coming. They see a day when everything is gonna be judged, that our works in the flesh are gonna be judged. And they say, you know what? I'm gonna align to God because I wanna be the righteous on that day. How about you? Also, plots evil. This is key to note, plots evil, plans it in advance. All of us sin. All of us have those moments where we slip and fall. But there's a big difference between slipping and falling and planning out your evil, planning out your sin. When you begin to think in advance that I want to do this and you begin to go after it, all of a sudden what you're doing, you're putting yourself in another category. In the New Testament, it says it this way, there's sins that are unto death and sins not unto death. I believe that those that plant out their sins are sins that are unto death. You are just planning out your death slander and lies the bible says that the devil is the father of what lies lies, lies. but it was slander could even be truth but what he's laying out here his slanderous he can you can tell he told the truth but he was looking for the destruction of somebody you, you if you're not to tell the truth about something just to make them look bad or make you look better that's slander love sin over god Anytime you choose sin over God, you're choosing your sin over him. You're loving your sin more than God in that time. Creates division. Oh, the devil created division in heaven, didn't he? He tried to divide heaven. And anyone who tries to create division at work, division in the home, division in relationships, you're trying to divide, and that's what he was doing. He was trying to divide David and Saul and the relationships there, and that is unrighteousness. Hates and murders. Obviously, he murdered. But Jesus said it this way in the New Testament. He said, I say unto you that you've heard it said that thou shalt not commit murder. But I say, if you even hate your brother or sister in your heart, you've already committed what? Murder. And finally, trust in wealth over God. Let me just say this. way: If you trust in anything over God. You you go first to anything other than going to God, you're the unrighteous. But I don't know about you, but I want to be one of those thriving trees that the scripture talked about. Anybody? Anybody? Now, I've got some trees in my yard that I don't necessarily like. They got this one tree that I have not cut down, and it's a thorny tree. I've cut off all the thorns up above, you know, about seven or eight foot, but it had thorns all over. I remember the first time I bumped up against it. It hurt it hurt. Have you ever had one of those thorny trees? And it's like, I mean, thorns that they were that long coming out of the tree. I don't want to be a thorny Christian. I don't want to be a Christian that's walking around creating pain in somebody's life. I want to give hope to other people's lives. And we got this other tree in our yard that wasn't put in the ground properly. And then what happened is it's a pine tree and it's grown up. But when some wind came a few years ago, it was knocked over. We put it back up. And then the ice storm knocked it back over. We put it back up and we've got another pine tree. that's the same pine tree that was planted many, many, many months after that one. That's far exceeding the one that's been uprooted many times. I don't want to be a Christian that continues to get uprooted. I don't want to be a Christian that's delayed in my progress because I keep allowing the circumstances of life to rip me down. I want to be a tree rooted and grounded in God, thriving in the house of God, Thriving. So what about this thriving tree, the righteous? What do we know? Look at verse number eight. David says, but I am like an olive tree, thriving in the house of God. Now, if you go back to the original writing in the Hebrew, it would be probably better translated that David was saying this, but I am becoming like a green olive tree, thriving in the house of God. Because you know what David knew? David knew he hadn't arrived. David knew he has a long way to go. And come on, all of us have a long way to go. We are thriving trees, but we're becoming thriving trees too. We are saved, but we're being saved. We are in process. We're all on a journey of becoming more like Jesus. None of us have arrived, but all of us are going in that direction if you're a thriving tree in the house of God. Pastor Farah, this past week, to our staff at our Tuesday chapel... took from this passage and she did a wonderful job and she broke down some characteristics of the olive tree that I want to share with you right now. But let me say, after she did an incredible job, I stood up afterwards. I said, okay, I'm preaching on this passage on Sunday, but I didn't take it from her. I already had it planned out, but still credit to pastor Farah for the great word. The olive tree is first off peaceful, peaceful. Going all the way back to Genesis chapter number eight, when the flood happened and the flood waters are starting to recede and Noah is looking to find out if it's time to, if we're getting close, he sends out a dove and a dove comes back with what? An olive branch. Do you realize from that moment on, the olive branch has been a symbol of peace worldwide? Not just in America, worldwide, it is a symbol of peace. I wanna be a peaceful Christian, how about you? I want to be one of those thriving trees, also fruitful. Do you realize that an olive tree begins to be fruitful at age five and sometimes a little younger? Most trees wait a lot, lot longer before it starts producing fruit. And what it speaks to me is that you may be young, but you can still produce fruit. You may be a child, but you can produce fruit. You can have the power of the Holy Spirit producing the fruit of the Spirit in your life. Longevity. An olive tree will live for a long time. Over in the Mediterranean, it will live to be over a thousand years of age. And even at that age, it's still producing fruit. I want to be that. Robust roots. They go down deep. They can withstand the wind and the trials and the issues of life. Regenerate. In other words, you can cut off that tree and you'll come back next year and it's producing again. It's growing again. Drought resistant. Come on, bring on the lacks of hard times, bring on the hard times, bring on the lack of rain. It is drought resistant. I want to be that type of Christian that even in the hard times, I am still flourishing in the house of my God. Generous. It produces oil. It produces fruit in abundance amounts. It is also a healthy source that we utilize for all different types of purposes. And it's also a tree that represents legacy. I want to be a person that is a legacy person, that's representing what life is really all about. Throughout the Bible, there's different stories of trees and the roles that they played. One time for Elijah, after he's running from the wicked Jezebel, he is even concerned for his own life. He is asking God, take my life, take my life, but he finds covering under his shade and protection. And God sustains him using a tree. In Exodus 15, you find that the children of Israel been out in the desert and they need water. And they finally come across water and they start to take a drink of it and realize it's bitter water. And Moses consults God and God tells him to cut a tree down, take that wood and throw it into the water. And the water goes from bitter to sweet. I want to be a sweet Christian. Anybody in this place want to be that? One time there was a situation where the children of Israel were grumbling and complaining, like they often did, like a lot of Christians do today. And snakes came into the camp and began to bite them. And then Moses turned to God, and God says, "I want you to take a tree, put that tree up, and then take a bronze serpent and wrap it around. That anybody who looks upon that tree and upon that serpent, they will be made whole. I want to be somebody that's pointing people to Jesus so that they can be made whole again. How about you?" There's one in the story in the Bible where a young, short kid, I mean, young, this short guy is wanting to see Jesus, but can't see Jesus for the crowd. But he climbs up in a sycamore tree and he looks out to find Jesus. I want to be a type of tree that gives people a platform so that they can see Jesus. Even a tree once was found, and it talks about in Galatians chapter three, cursed is anyone who hangs up on a tree, but there was a tree that was used to carry the son of a living God, and Jesus hung between heaven and earth and gave hope to a world, and God used a tree to do that. In Genesis chapter number one, it talks about a tree that was there that was pleasing to the eye and good to eat. All of them were except for one. Man chose to go for the one instead of the all, because there's a part of us that we tend to do that. There's so much out there available so that you can prosper, yet you're choosing the one that is going to bring you down. And then in chapter number 22, the very last chapter of the Bible, it talks about a tree that's planted by the river of life and its leaves will be the healings for the nation. And it's talking about a tree of life for all eternity. I want to be a thriving tree. How about you? So how do we become a thriving tree like David? Let's look at verse number eight again. It says, but I am becoming like a green olive tree, thriving in the house of God. And here's, here's the secrets. I will always trust in God's unfailing love. I will praise you forever, O oh God, for what you have done I will trust in your good name in the presence of your faithful people. Let me give them to you. First off is this. You got to always be trusting in God. If you, if you want to be a thriving tree, you got to be always, always, not just sometimes always trusting in God. If you go to the gym and you work out for 20 minutes and you don't, you don't normally work out and you go to work out and you work out 20 minutes and you walk up and stand in front of the mirror, what are you going to see? Nothing. No change. How about if I go day two, go th- How about if I go seven days? Are you going to see any change? No, not really? No? How, how about if I change it up and say, okay, I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to work out 12 hours today. I'm going to work myself almost to death. I'm going to finish that workout and then stand in front of the mirror. What am I going to look like? A sweaty mess with no change. But what if I go every day and work out 20 minutes for three months? Oh, I might see something. How about if I do that for 12 months? I'm going to see progress. If I'm doing all the other things that I should be doing, I'm going to begin to see progress. You know what it means to trust God? It doesn't mean one time try something. It means every day you get up and you put on the full armor of God and you say, I'm trusting God with all of my heart and all of my mind. I'm obeying him today. I'm obeying him above everything else. See, here's the thing. You cannot trust what you do not know. And there's a whole lot of Christians walking around talking about trusting God, but they don't even really know what it means to trust God. Because if you're not in God's word, you don't know what it means to trust God. If you're not with the people of God being stretched and pulled, you don't know what it means to trust God. If you're not worshiping with the people of God on a regular basis, you don't know what it means to trust God. And you cannot grow in your trust if your trust is not tested. It's basic stuff. And we all stunned. You can't grow in your education if it's not tested. You can't grow physically. I mean, this past week, I took off a few weeks and I did a different type of workout. I like to change things up every once in a while. And I went back into the gym. And on Tuesday, it was leg day. From everything down, it was focused legs completely for one solid hour, going hard at it. I'm telling you, I was hurting the next few days. By Thursday, I couldn't even hardly sit on a toilet. It was that bad. Bad, you're bad, you're sitting down like, oh, and you're grabbing for things on the way down. You're pulling yourself up. are talking about hurting. But with the pain comes progress. With the pain comes progress. With the pain comes progress. What is it you're going through? The devil's going to try to use it against you, but my God says, no, no, I'm using it for your good and I'm using it for my glory. Let me use those things. Obey me and trust me and you will see progress. You will see fruit from the pain, fruit from the pain. We've been doing the greater 10 over the last few weeks, hearing wonderful stories of people who have chosen to obey God in the tithe. And the tithe is 10%. If you make, if you got a salary of $40,000 a year, the tithe is $4,000. And to tithe is to trust. Is it easy? No. Is it hard? Yes. Is it simple? Yes. Obey. Trust. And anybody who's trusted God in the tithe, I'm not talking about one time. I'm not talking about just a couple of times and tested and, just, and they stop it. I'm talking about anybody who has tested and tried and walked and trusted God with the tithe over years. Every single person I've ever talked to, they've never regretted the tithe that they've given to God. They've seen the fruitfulness in their life. And the fruitfulness is not just in financial. It's in so many different ways that God can return the blessings back to you. The second thing is forever praising his name. The thriving tree is forever praising his name, praising his name. Whenever I was my freshman year of high school, our high school baseball coach, which we actually had from a little bitty town, several that end up in the major leagues, played extended time in the major leagues. And I played shortstop on those little teams. And as a freshman, um, I remember one day, the weather was bad, he brought us into the gymnasium and we laid us down on the ground, turned out the lights and he began to teach us how to meditate on hitting the baseball. And I'd lay there on the ground, he would just begin to coach us through seeing different pictures. Whether it be a curve, an off-speed, a fastball, different parts of the plate, different conditions and situations in the game. Maybe it's a hit and run. And you would see yourself following through with just that, you balance everything, your stance, everything that you were doing, and then seeing yourself crush the ball, just line drives, line drives, all different parts of the field. And that meditation began to transform my hitting. Even when I had games, I did strike out once or twice. It did not discourage me because I came back knowing that I'm going to drive the ball and hit the ball again. And you know what? The devil will use discouragement and difficulties in your life to get you distracted on lesser things. My God says, even the times that are difficult, if you will meditate and set your things on things above and not the things down here, you will begin to see yourself become as who you were designed to be a thriving tree in the house of God. Oh, some of us are spending too much of our time worrying. You know what you're doing? You're worrying about stuff that will probably never have her transpire. And even if it transpires, there's only one person that can turn that around anyway, and it's not your mind, it's God himself. And so we need to learn to worship him and his name. I got good news for you. If you're a warrior, my God can make you into a great worshiper because the same energy you give there, if you give to God, God can make great things happen through that. Whoa. Somebody, somebody, I'm I'm telling you, that's, that's what we should be doing. We're pining about what has not happened instead of praising him for what he has already done. David is in a cave, folks. He's in a cave, but yet what he's doing, he's praising God for what he has done. And so he remained a thriving tree. First Chronicles chapter number 16, verse 33, it says, let the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord. Who wrote this? David. Why is David writing this? He's writing this as he's bringing the Ark of the Covenant, which has been lost for many years, back to its place where it belonged. The Ark of the Covenant. And what is he doing on the way? He is dancing before the Lord with all of his might. He's dancing before the Lord with all of his might. He's giving praise like that little one did just then. You might I hear it from Guthrie, but some kid screamed out. I'm telling you, we need some adults that will start doing that. Okay, I'm, come on, I'm, I'm, t- I'm talking about praise. Praise! He danced before the Lord with all of his might. Even though he was ridiculed and mocked, he danced before the Lord with all of his might. You see, it's so easy to praise God in the good times, but oftentimes the good times, we start giving ourselves credit. Come on, we need to praise God, not just in the good times and even in the bad times. Not just when your finances are going good, but also when you're facing bankruptcy. Not just when the doctor says you're in great health, but also when the doctor has given you a negative report. Not just when your marriage is going great, but also when your marriage is on the rock. Not just when it seems like your kids are all in line but even when your kids are rebellion against God come on let's begin to praise God no matter what we go through even when you stand up against your enemy praise God who is more than able to turn things around oh glory which brings me to the last thought a thriving tree is doing this in the presence of his faithful people did you get that in the passage I hear a lot of people that talk about they really, really prioritize God first. Really? When I ask them, what is it you read today? Or what is it you've been reading today or the last couple of days? And they look at me like, and they're trying to grab for their favorite verse that they can think of in the Bible, and they don't even get that right. There's a problem. It's the precepts of God we need to be focused on. The presence of God. We put ourselves in the presence of Netflix. We put our presence in the presence of social media. And we scan and we look and we're watching all this stuff. Come on, we need to spend time in the presence of God. Thinking on the things of God. We spend our time consumed by things that are emotionally taking us up and down. Instead of focusing our attention on that which is really going to matter when everything is said and done. In church, in the presence of the people of God. Do you realize the, the average faithfulness of people who call themselves faithful at church is dipping drastically you see church is our weekly reminder that we are not alone you say i can follow jesus on my own pastor really genesis chapter 2 says it's not good for man to be alone jesus exemplified and modeled it he says you must follow jesus by yourself but you cannot follow jesus alone by yourself you're meant to have others with you. You say, I don't need church to be a Christian, pastor. Really? Luke chapter number two, G you find Jesus in the house of God at 12 years of age and said, did you not know I must be about my father's business? In other words, you can find me in the house of God, mom and dad. You can find me in the house of God with the same people that would later put him on a cross, yet he still was there with them. In Hebrews chapter number 20, 10, it says that we should not forsake the sin of ourselves together. It's like saying, I'm a football player, but you have no football team. Really? You can dress up in your cute outfit, grab a pigskin, throw it up in the air, like, yeah, I'm a football player, look at me go. Really? You believe that? You believe you're a Christian without the house of God and the people of God? I was with my dentist this past week, wrapping up some things with the uh, Visalon. And some in one of those moments, those dentists, that's a great job if you wanna to talk to people and don't get any feedback. I mean, on your back, saliva building up the back of my throat. And he just talking and talking and talking. And he tells one story that was really interesting. After he finished me up, I texted him later on and said, Hey, can I tell that story? And he said, yes. He's a big OU football fan. And he took down to the uh, Texas game several years ago. And as he went down to the Texas game, he took his six-year-old son with him. It's the first game that his six-year-old son had been to at least the a Texas Oklahoma rivalry. And Oklahoma was down big and they came back. This 2018, they came all the way back and just way down came back and actually got into the lead the last little bit, just the last few seconds of the game. And as as it as it happened and unfolded, the, the Oklahoma side erupted, just screaming and shouting, and just people jumping, and people and he pulls out his phone, he just begins to video. Doctor says he begins to I begin to video what's going on. And then I turned around and I saw my six-year-old son. My six-year-old son had took off his shirt and is going around and around and around and around. And he has that on video. I said, that was hilarious. That's great. Come on. Do it in the house of God. I don't have to rip your shirt off. But but I'm telling you, somebody just snorted. I don't know who that was, but I heard a snort. You you know you're telling some funny stuff when people are snorting. were identifying the person down here. Can't hear that in Guthrie, but there's somebody snorted. Somebody snorted in Guthrie probably too. Come on. We need to raise up a generation that sees us celebrate Jesus Christ more than we see the celebration of sports. Come on, we, we celebrate something, 20-year-olds running up and down a football field, carrying a pigskin, wearing, wearing spandex. Come on, let's think about it. Let's put it in reality of what this is all about and what we are doing. Come on, we're celebrating that, and we are just giving more emotion, and we're riding this wave up and down more than we are the things of Christ. There's a problem. I talk to people because it's such a cultural phenomenon in football, but because but I talk to most people, you have no clue what a cover four is or a cover two is or what the Sam linebacker is or tell me X and O's. You have no clue. You're just kind of yelling because your team's winning and not because they're losing. I'm telling you, we need to celebrate who is the victor of all victors, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. I'm talking about Jesus Christ, who died for my sins, who delivered me from death, who healed my body who sits at the right hand of God and makes intercession for me, who is coming back again soon. I'm talking about Jesus Christ. Let's give him praise because he is worthy of all the praise that we've ever given him. Somebody act like you love God. Somebody celebrate like you love Jesus Christ. Somebody let's get real in the house today. My God is alive. He is on the throne. He is king of kings, and he is Lord of lords. Somebody shout unto the Lord with the voice of triumph. Somebody, somebody get on your feet. Somebody praise God. My God is more than able. My God is more than able. My God is worthy. My God is worthy. Oh, bless your name. Remain standing, remain standing. I want our prayer team to come in Guthrie in Oklahoma City. Come on, there's some of you right now that you've been uprooted by circumstances of life. Some of you emotionally, it's up and down. You're up and down. God's saying, I don't want you to be that up and down person. that's uprooted again and again. I want you to be grounded. You need to come run to this front. Somebody healing your bodies. Let's see God do a work. Let's trust Him more than we trust anything else in this life. Some of you need direction and leading. Run to this front in Guthrie Oklahoma City. Some of you need encouragement amen. run amen. run find it with the people of god find it don't set back and walk away unchanged walk away changed by the power of god father may your spirit fall in this place do your thing lord do your thing it's in your name i pray holy spirit flow among us in your name amen